This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to this Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as guys. Uh, not really like big news because we kind of expected it to happen, but officially, Robin, um, I had to cancel our trip to Ireland. I know, I know. As sad as I am about not doing our post-practice coverage at some you know pub bar swilling guinness uh, i guess we can have to make do with champagne yeah it's uh not not a surprise nate i mean i, I think as, as this thing went on i mean the timing of covid everything else you, you knew this was probably coming yeah not a surprise at all um i think this the biggest surprise that it took this long for him to actually officially announce that it was canceled and um, well, I feel bad for you guys. I, I am happy. I'm not going to have to hear about how much fun you had without me. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I was just intrigued to see how many Nebraska fans were going to go. I mean, a lot of us have been on road trips over the years. I've been on every road game in the last 20 years. And that's always when you see like Nebraska, when they play out West and California, or Arizona, or, you know, places like Oregon and Washington, Wyoming, Colorado, you, you just see like, wow. I mean, you, it's a reminder of how great the fan base is. And just I, I wanted to see what it was going to be like in Ireland. And, and I hope they figure this out. I do think there are teams interested in doing it in the Big Ten. The problem is you've got to have somebody that really doesn't draw well to give up a home game. So it was going to be Illinois. Maybe a Purdue could give up a home game. Maybe a Rutgers. Maybe a Maryland. Maybe a Northwestern. I do think you'll see some of those lower-branded Big Ten teams that – don't draw well and when they do draw well it happens to be like all nebraska fans in their stadium Mm -hmm. like northwestern um that might be the next step can they get nebraska back in this thing i think they will i mean the 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 people just listening to that press conference a few years ago where they announced it uh i mean they were pretty excited about the opportunity to draw the nebraska fan base you know to to their game i mean they put it right up there with notre dame which travels as well as any program in the country and so you know they were hoping to break the the migration record of like the most single people coming for from one country to another uh, over the atlantic ocean for a single event and you know honestly i think they may have had a shot especially when you consider the fact that this is a nebraska football program that hasn't gone to a bowl game since 2016 and they had a whole season where fans couldn't even see a single game and if they would have had the opportunity to open the season with a <laughs> trip to Ireland, which is already a draw, uh, to go watch that Better play. than a bowl game. Yeah, to play a winnable game against Illinois, but basically make it a, a home game overseas. What a unique opportunity. That I know just based on our message board and, and, and on Twitter, there were a lot of interest with that. People were constantly asking for updates about the game and about travel packages and if you know we were going to put together a package. And uh, So, I mean, I think that they would have gotten pretty close to – you know, those very lofty goals of drawing a substantial number of Nebraska fans over the uh, over the ocean. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was primed to be a really, really big deal and that and for a lot of fans to go out there. I know, I personally know of a lot of people that were planning to, to head over there. So, um, and, and I would think that if, if they're smart, they will have, they'll, they'll put Nebraska back in this at, at some point in time when it makes sense. I, I just think that given the Huskers fan base and, and knowing how well they travel, 
uh, just it seems like a no-brainer uh, to me to, to pair them up against somebody over there. You're listening to the Husker Line Show. We're talking opening headlines here. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washette, and Nate Klaus. And, guys, uh, the good news is this game will stay on August 28th, uh, week zero. Um, and I think that was kind of a question a lot of us had. All right, if they don't get to play Illinois in Ireland, will they allow this game to be played on week zero? And I think – both teams went in different directions with their schedules. Um, Illinois was going to play Labor Day weekend on September 5th, the week after. Uh, Nebraska chose to m- move a game out of there, and their non-conference game with Southeast Louisiana got moved to November 13th. So Nebraska's open on week one, and then they've got an October open date. Illinois has two in-season open dates later on, and I, I think all of that – made it next to impossible for them to match up a you know a, a regular date. So I think the bright side is both these programs get a play on week zero. That is the only Power 5 on Power 5 matchup on week zero. Um, Hawaii travels to UCLA. Um, there's always um, the Hawaii clause where you can play um, Hawaii uh, for the travel earlier on or even later in the year if you wanted to. Um, so I think for Nebraska – it will be an opportunity to maybe make a statement week zero and, and put something together with a lot more eyeballs on a Nebraska-Illinois game yeah, than know. what would have been maybe on November 13th. Well, this is something that Scott Frost has been wanting to do for a while now. He's been vocal about you know how he's – uh, there's a lot of appealing aspects to playing in week zero. For one, you get to start earlier. Uh, you get a, a week earlier jump on your fall camp, and then you get to go and, and play a game and then have a week off to evaluate kind of where you are as a team with some live competition under your belt, and then that kind of gives you a little bit more preparation going into uh, the, the meat of your schedule. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why this is a very good thing for Nebraska, even though it's not in Ireland. Uh, I mean, you still get to play, if, you know, I guess, a conference game that's going to draw a lot of eyeballs. It's going to be a great uh, exposure um, you know, event for them, but also it's still going to be a winnable game against an Illinois program that's going through a lot of transition, is going to have a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, and I think Nebraska's got a real opportunity to like you said, make a statement, get a conference win right out of the gates and then have two weeks to prepare uh, for your home opener against Buffalo. Well, yeah, I feel like for the team, this couldn't have worked out any better because now they don't have to, you know, mess with the distractions maybe of, of traveling over to Ireland or, or practicing over there or whatever. Uh, they can f- just sit sit at home and, and focus on themselves during during fall camp and then have that week zero and, and have a, that uh, that bye week right there to, to fix and to work on themselves following that to uh, you know kind of hopefully uh, shore some things up as you as you get ready to take on what is uh, you know kind of a daunting uh, non-conference here there in a, a few weeks coming up. Well, and Illinois is going to be in a complete rebuild with Bielema. I mean, they're going to try to go in a whole yeah. new direction. So getting them, I think, week one will be good because they're, it's the first game with a new coaching staff and a whole new system. So there's a lot of advantages. I mean, in terms of the ESPN metric rankings, Illinois is, I believe, the lowest-ranked team in the Big Ten right now going into the season. So it's an advantage, I think, for Nebraska to get this game week zero and, and come out of it and, and, and get an opportunity. And I'll be intrigued, guys. I mean, assuming um, the governor of Illinois allows um, – you know, crowds and events and stadiums, what will the crowd be? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I if they allow a sizable amount of people in Champaign, which that's a at least a 60,000-seat stadium, yeah. 
Oh, I, I can see a lot of Nebraska fans like, you know what? I haven't got to see Nebraska play a game. It's a relatively easy trip. I mean, let's go seven, it's... seven, eight hour drive. Like it's, you know, it's certainly doable. Yeah. And the fact that is, you know, it's your first opportunity to potentially see your team play since you're you know, zero and zero. It's yeah. like, it's like opening day in baseball. You, you've got hope. You got optimism. It's going to be good weather going all the way. Yeah. And you know, you can, you can find fun things to do in Champaign or Bonner. There's some good restaurants. A lot of them involve there. beer and alcohol. Yeah, and... You know what? And that's pretty much what the most people that are going to make that trip are going to want to do anyway. Well, so. and, and, <laughs> well, how far away is it from Chicago? 90 Three, minutes, two and a half. Oh, is yeah. it two, two and a half? Two, oh, uh, it's two. It's two. It depends what time of day. It's like right in the middle of the state, and so it's not really near anything, but it's close enough that you you can you can make a day trip. It's not a pretty drive from Chicago <laughs> to Champaign. I mean, lots of t- tower stacks and industrial I- aging <laughs> yeah. communities yeah. that probably once had their they, day. They put the rust and rust belt out there. <laughs> yeah, Champaign is a long ways from Chicago. I'll put it that way. I mean, it, you think it's close, but you know it's out there and. Uh, they play the state basketball tournament that at least they do a lot of times in, in Champaign, I believe, in Illinois. So for a lot of those like Chicago kids, it's the first time they get out of the city of Chicago down to like the country. Because <laughs> Champaign's the country. I mean, you get down there, it's sure. It, yeah, well, especially compared to Chicago. But like, well, yeah, isn't there? I mean, the, the biggest part of their campus campus is uh, agriculture, right? Yeah, or, Engin- or, no, or, engineering. Or, well, but I know they also have a big like agriculture part two i think so. they draw fourteen thousand students from asia i mean robert and i have been to some of these towns a few too many times now and you hear more from uber drivers and cab drivers um yeah they, at, give, they give you the true lay of the land because they know everything and they have like the highest asian student population of any school in the u.s at university of illinois because, and it's because of that engineering program and they have like specialized asian investors that build dorm buildings and housing mm-hmm. buildings in champaign yeah. So it, it's a different place. But, yeah, it's. I think a lot of Nebraska fans have probably not been on that trip. And I, I can see Nebraska fans like, you know what, yeah. let's go. And if they're allowed to go and you do go, Papa Dell's Pizza. Arguably the best pizza in the Big Ten, in my opinion. I, I'm a wig and pin guy myself. That's good. It's good. Papa Dell's is right up there. Mm. But wig and pin, Iowa City. I'm getting hungry. All right. Well, we'll come <laughs> back. The dead period put on hold again. For recruiting, we're going to discuss that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th in Yankee Hill. Stopped in there Friday night, um, watched the Husker Illinois game. Place was uh, very busy, uh, great crowd. Um, was able to have Valentine's Day dinner with some friends, and we drove in there and, and caught the second half and came up short, but a great place to watch the game, get some beers. Uh, you won't find a more uh, a better place in town to watch a game right now than Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill. Robin, Nate, let's talk um, dead period for recruiting. Um, you know, I think there was optimism. There was hope that it would go to a quote quiet period on April 16th. Pete Thamel teased us with that report that it was going to happen. And then May 31st now is the dead period. And this puts things in a lot of binds, but Nate, you're seeing a lot of kids now essentially going on trips like Micah Riley Ducker just did from Bellevue US. He went to Iowa and Auburn and multiple campuses so kids are just going to start going in their car and taking these 
visits without coaches meeting with them technically, but wink, wink, nod, <laughs> nod. Oh, we ran into Coach Jones at um, the Outback. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what it's come to. I mean, it's it's these self-guided, unofficial visits, and you're right. I mean, honestly, they're not supposed to run into any coaches. They're, they can't tour the facilities or anything, but – um, you know, from some of the players I've talked to recently, they run into players. That what are you doing at the Marriott, Coach? Have, I didn't it, know you were well, staying at the Marriott. I, I don't. I haven't necessarily heard of that. Bad. Heard of that? I, and I'm sure it's happening. I, I mean, look, if if Tennessee was paying players, just putting cash in McDonald's, in McDonald's bags. bags, then you then you know that a coach is going to randomly run into one of their recruits on campus. I mean, let's just face it. But What's happening is that the coaches are coordinating with their current players and saying, hey, uh, Jimmy Joe is going to be on campus on Saturday, and he's going to be at the Union at noon. So go to the Union at noon and look for Jimmy Joe. Wink, and, wink, and nod, take nod. him on a tour of everything. So that's Give him what, a bag of McDonald's? Well, yeah, and, and give, him some, give him some McNugs if he wants. So uh, yeah, I think that's, that's what's happening. They're, they're running into players, and then the players are giving them tours and, and everything. Um, and I mean, that's what's got to happen. I, I feel terrible for these recruits because they, they aren't they aren't able to to go through the process. I mean, we're we're gonna we're about to have March Madness, and we're we're flying NCAA basketball teams all over the country. But you can't let a kid go vi- take an unofficial visit with with the coaching staff. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I I, I don't understand it, and it's doing nothing but hurting the players when the NCAA is supposed to look out for the players. Um, but and I don't know what's going to be different between April fifteenth and and June one. You know, I, I mean, you're going to tell me things are going to be that much different. It's this one size fits all mentality that yeah. they're trying to create. And as we've learned with COVID, Florida and California are completely different places. Mm-hmm. We're COVID, Illinois in Florida, and, and I mean, and you can't really align the whole country with COVID and fairness because. It's not fair right now if you live in California with the way it's locked down or in Florida. You can do whatever you want right now at this point. Well, and I get like wanting to limit competitive advantages and disadvantage just by like what your local authorities say. But at the same time, like go beyond just what it means for the college programs. Think about what it means for these students, like the recruits. And Mm -hmm. you're talking about 2020 recruits that are going to not have the opportunity to see a second straight spring game now. And like the the lack of just in-person recruitment that these kids are still going to have to make their decisions at a scheduled point in time. And they have as little information to make those decisions as any recruit before them, at least in the modern era. And that I think is, they're the, the biggest victims of all this. Yeah, programs, you know, have to find different ways to recruit, but these student athletes that, you know, are getting offers and building relationships with coaches over text and uh, Zoom, I mean, it's not the same. And you think the transfer market is already a disaster. Just wait until all these guys go halfway across the country to a school where they've never even been uh, with playing for coaches they've never met face-to-face and then find out that it wasn't what they thought they were signing on for. I mean, it's going to be a total disaster with the next couple of classes of kids not being informed enough to make the right decision, the biggest decision of their athletic careers. And, I mean, that's going to be a consequence that is not being considered nearly enough as we kind of focus so much on trying to keep things fair, quote-unquote, for one school to the next. 
Well, and the thing the the thing that this 2022 class is dealing with that 2021 didn't have to is the fact that they weren't able to to take visits in the fall. They weren't able to go attend game days and and do any of that. And a lot of the 2021 recruits they were doing those unofficial visits on game days during the season. Um, it, it, so they at least had a, a baseline knowledge of what what the atmosphere was like, or you know what it felt like on game day at, at, at some of these places. And and these current juniors that are that are entering their senior year right now, I mean, they, the large majority of those guys have no idea what it's like to to visit a, and see a place and uh, you know on a Saturday. And and so I mean that's I mean like you said, Robin, they, these guys have no basis for for what they're making their decision off of, other than these virtual tours or these self-guided tours that they're doing. I mean, think if you're one of these kids locally. I mean, we're seeing a run of in-state kids get more offers than we've ever seen before. Big offers, Power 5 offers, not just in the Big 10. And they want these kids want to see these places. Mm-hmm. Like they, they want to go there so and they deserve bad. to. And they're going and driving on their own to do all I mean, it's just ridiculous that it's gotten to this point that you can't have guys on campus for spring practice like you can't stand in the bleachers from a distance and watch spring practice like yeah. i mean i don't know it's there's gonna have to be a point where where they get this figured out and i really hope like they don't table this again and table it again i hope we start to get some answers what june one's going to look like because if if it's delay 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 then it's just going to be another delay I hope over the next few weeks they, they start to come up with a plan. All right, we've got until May 31st. Let's lay out the plan for June 1 because we can't keep doing what we're doing right now. Well, and like not only is it just about visits and like building relationships, but the evaluation that's being missed here and the exposure opportunities that's being missed here where coaches cannot go see players in person and they're relying on highlight films and uh, recruiting profiles to make offers, which I think personally is a big reason why some of these guys that normally would have flown under the radar, especially around Nebraska, are getting these big time offers because they see, you know, a handful of power fives offered. We might as well throw our hat in the rink after watching a few highlights. And uh, I think that's another one of those kind of ripple effects of all this is, you know, for one, guys might be getting offers that they normally wouldn't get. But two, you also have guys that probably aren't getting offers that they should because they're not being seen. I know in basketball. So, you know, because the the dead period is going into May now, that's going to completely eliminate another April live evaluation period. April is always the biggest kickoff evaluation weekend or weekends of the AAU calendar. And now, like, the Nike UIBL, they're not even planning on really doing anything in April. It sounds like everybody's just kind of moving their focus to June. Uh, and so that's June, July, potentially, maybe, of actually getting coaches to come see players uh, on the summer AAU circuit. And, you know, for guys around here, you know, that go beyond the, the, the known commodities like Isaac Trout, Jason Green, those types, you know, they're not going to get seen. You know, they're, they're not going to be able to get uh, the offers that they might otherwise get that other guys before them in this state have gotten from participating in these exposure events because they're, they're being completely robbed of that opportunity. Yeah, the, the players that had the early interest are, are benefiting from that early interest because these schools that haven't seen them in person are just basically – Figuring that okay, well, the, the teams that offered early, they saw them in person. We'll trust their valuation, yeah. and and the players that that had you know that were relying on like the Jake Apple gets, yeah, th- that were relying on their junior film and for coaches to come through the school and and get an eyeball on them. 
um, you know, they're they're sitting there without the offers that they should have right now. Like, I think if Nebraska Nate just didn't offer Ernest Hausman and kind of waited, do you think he'd have offers nope. right now? Nope, no way. Uh, so yeah, it wouldn't happen. It, it, it's just interesting. You're right. I mean, that oh, Michigan and these teams offer a guy in Columbus, Nebraska. It just. But these guys are trapped in their office. They got nothing to do other than to do Zoom virtuals and huddle watching sessions. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you're going to see consequences that where not only are players going to get themselves into situations that they don't bargain for, but coaches are going to recruit players that they probably normally might or may not normally recruit. All right, mailbag. When we come back, we'll take your questions. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Taking your questions now in the mailbag. We pull them from our, our weekly chat that we do on Tuesdays. Get lots of good questions, guys. Um, you know, transfer quarterback discussion, still a topic of discussion. And, Nate, I'm going to bring you in on this one because obviously you have a really good handle on former recruits. Uh, but Oregon's Tyler, uh, is it Show or Shao? How do you pronounce his last name, the quarterback? I've heard it pronounced like three or four different ways. Um, everywhere from Shao to Shug. So I, I'm not I, – honestly, I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> – But, I I mean, I've always pronounced it Shao, but the latest one that I heard was Shug, Tyler Shug. Why did, why did he – number one, why does that guy leave Oregon? Like, did they basically tell him, like, you're not going to be the guy? Basically, I think the writing is on the wall. We're going to go in a new direction. That Yeah, that there's – I'll chime in here real quick. I looked it up, and it's pronounced Shuck, like shuck. rhymes with duck. Oh, Shuck. According to NBC Oregon. So that's like the fourth way. Of shuck, yeah, shuck so, your orchard. So somehow S-H-O-U-G-H is pronounced Shuck. Shuck. Hey, okay. Shuck Huskers. Just saying. Hey, yeah. <laughs> but basically, from everything that I know, it's the the writing was on the wall that that they've, you know, that he's at the very best, he's in for one hell of a battle next year to, to keep his job, and that that's probably not going to happen. So, but I mean, look, he, he helped lead him to the the Pac-12 uh, championship. What last year? So, or not last year, but two years ago. Um, they played. They played Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's played a lot of football. He's played at a high level. He was a big time recruit coming out of high school. Um, you know, I, I think I mean, he and he's visited Nebraska before as a as a you know when he was in in high school. Um, he did not get an offer. I'm trying to remember if if Riley and Langsdorf offered him or not coming out of high school. But um, regardless. I mean, the, it, it's an interesting name. If we're sitting here talking about quarterback um, transfers, he's, I mean, he's, he's one that Nebraska is following on Twitter, and, and I guarantee you they're doing their homework and, and at least reaching out to see, you know, if he's got uh, what he has going and, and to try and figure out a little bit more of, you know, what he's looking for and what kind of situation he wants to, to transfer to. And Joe Milton, the Michigan quarterback, goes in the portal yep. on Thursday. So Michigan's lost, you know, McCaffrey, which he came out before the season and then went in the portal after he got his second semester started. Same thing his brother did. Um, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but, yeah, Michigan's – I mean, this portal thing with quarterbacks makes it so delicate because, I mean, if you're Nebraska, you're like, God, we have to be worried that, you know, what we do, could it affect Logan Smothers? But, like, right now, if you're Logan Smothers, where could you go? That's the thing. Like, you've got to have some sort of reputation or film – to get 
a good opportunity out of the portal. And 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 Shuck is going to have that obviously out of Oregon. I mean, as much as any quarterback in the portal right now. And you got to think you'd, you'd have something in the works before you even enter your name in the portal at this point because it's so risky just to, to just throw your name in there and just you know, try and figure it out as you go because there, there's there's not many spots out there. And if you don't have the right opportunity and a school willing to take a, a shot at you, then uh, you could be left out in the in the cold. So I, I think a lot of these, especially high profile players. These decisions are pretty calculated, and I'm sure that they've been in contact before all this and, and at least have some conversations that are underway before they even got this process going. Yeah, that's that was my initial reaction when, when Shuck entered the portal. I was like, okay, he knows where he's going. He's he's known that he's going to enter his name in the portal for probably quite a while now. And, uh, I mean, usually these things are, are calculated. And if they're not, boy, you're really – you're taking a gamble, a huge, huge gamble. But – like you said, out of any quarterback that's in the portal right now, he probably has the best resume. Probably has the most information, most film out there, uh, you know, to, to help to help benefit him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, you know, I, I I know that Nebraska is at least following up, uh, doing their due diligence here, as they are with a lot of a lot of these transfers. Kind of a tough question here, but what happens if Nebraska has a five and seven season in 2021? Um, it's a legit question because it, it could very well happen, guys. I mean, it's not like it's an out of line question because the metrics say that they could probably be anywhere from a five to an eight win team next year, realistically. And they play a very difficult schedule. They play two college football playoff level teams. Wisconsin's a top 10 type team, Iowa's a top 20 type team. And then there's a bunch of these swing games where if you get a bunch of stupid five-yard penalties and fumbles, you lose. And Nebraska has lost those games the last couple of seasons. So what happens, guys? I mean, I, I think it really ramps up the discussion of the overall future of, of where this is going. And obviously so. I mean, I think four years really is, is, a, is a mile marker that you want to see growth, progress on the field with tangible results. I still look at the biggest thing is the leadership structure, though. Right now, today, at this very moment, you've got a president, a chancellor, and an AD that are all aligned behind Scott Frost. And you've got regents led by guys um, like Jim Pillen and Tim Clare that are very much behind Scott Frost. Um, the minute anything kind of funny happens in that circle, that's when I think you got to be worried. And right now, that's, that's not happening at this point. Yeah, and so how does that tenor change, though, with a fourth straight losing season? And you Who know, fires the first shot? Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I think if nothing else, another losing record in 2021 would at least probably force that leadership circle to kind of evaluate. Things. Somebody's going to have to fire a well, shot. Right now, everybody's kind of arm in arm. We're trusting the process. This is going to work. But if they go, you know, four straight years and you're going into year five without even a winning record – I mean, you got to take a hard look at what's going on with this program and why things have not gotten any better. You know, the first few years, year one was what it was. It was a total transition year. Year two, they got a lot of bad breaks, you know, the, the Akron opener and all that stuff. Year three, you know, they had COVID. Year four is, you know, the, it's time to do it. I mean, I, I know it's going to be a tough schedule, but uh, you got to start showing some real tangible evidence that this program is moving forward in the right direction. If that doesn't happen, then I think that you start to get a little nervous about that that circle that is, you know, the the ultimate decision makers, maybe they start kind of reevaluating just how much faith they have in the direction of this. Yeah, I mean I mean look, there's there's been a lot of very very strange things that have happened ever since Frost was <laughs> hired, but um, you know, 
at some point you've you've got your own roster. You can't you can't blame it on um, you know not having your own players or or the guys that you recruited in in your key spots. And um, you know I, I think at some point you got to get past there being a culture problem or whatever. Uh, and you got to win football games. And if they don't, I mean the fans are going to be pissed. I mean there, there's no other way around it. They're going to be they're going to be fed up. And and once that happens, then it takes care of itself. Yeah, I mean the people in power are going to have to. They're gonna. I mean, some things are gonna have to change. I, I'm not saying that he'd lose his job, but I mean, there'd have to be some revamping going on. I do think you have to like case study things that have happened recently with the portal. Like, you got to look at Tennessee, knowing like what Tennessee just did, and how many players go in the portal when you make a move like this. Can Nebraska withstand that? Like, if 20 studs left the team and go in the portal, and then you got to pay a coach 25 million dollars and or whatever the buyout would be for. A coach like Frost, it's $5 million per year times whatever years left. And on top of that, Tennessee hired Josh Heupel. Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't look at going from Dooley to Heupel as like this massive upgrade of Tennessee. Like, maybe you're just better off at that point trying to ride that out and, and withstand it and prove figure, it. Prove it. Who did I say? Dooley. Dooley. Approve it. Dooley was the guy before well, yeah, Pruitt. Do- Dooley and Heupel are like all the kind same. of meshed together. <laughs> yeah. you know? My favorite, the Tennessee staff, when they announced it, I sent you guys that gif, and it was like five guys. I mean, I, I consider myself a fairly well-versed assistant coach guy in college football, and I really didn't hear of any of the guys that Hypo hired at Tennessee. I didn't know their names, and somebody found the gif from Major League where they're announcing the Indians roster in Major League One, and it was like, who the F are these guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure a lot of people have that exact same reaction when those names started hitting Twitter, but... You know, with going back to, you know, running the risk of, you know, overhauling things and risk of transfers, you know, if you're talking about a bunch of players and a team that, you know, have never gone over 500, I don't know if that's going to be the ultimate factor. But do you believe season. in the young guys you're building in the way it's going in the lines? Because that, that's what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. getting it built. And if that develops right, then it could take off. But they, 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 they have had to make up for – an empty 17 recruiting class and an empty 18 recruiting class, and that's why they're in the, the mess they've been in by not having the stability in the upper class levels. Yeah, and so that now you're there. You have some stability there. You've been able to develop the most important positions to win in the Big Ten Conference. Now it's time to go do Your it. third yeah, – you got to see results this year because now, now you're three classes in with yeah. – The talk of potential is over. It's time to start actually winning. And, I again – I get they have a very difficult schedule, especially right out of the gates with their non-con going into conference. But I still think that you know they're, they're, it comes to a point where you can't start always talk about next year. It's got to happen eventually. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk basketball. That's why we're taping a little bit later this week. I wanted to make sure we had time to cover both the Maryland games um, and the win over Penn State on Sunday before Nebraska plays again. They play Sunday again now, right, Robin? Yes. So we'll no Saturday, uh, Saturday, Saturday. Excuse me. We'll get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska basketball game against Purdue, and we'll recap the previous three games they played since our last show. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show talking basketball now with Robin Washhead, and it's been uh, man, it's been a week for Fred Hoiberg and his crew as they have turned themselves into a traveling professional basketball team over the last couple of weeks. And we, we knew this was coming, Robin. Um, we knew they were essentially going to be like a, the Washington generals of the big 10 having to mm-hmm. <laughs> play a game every night, anywhere back to back. I mean, 
and I don't know if you've looked this up, Robin, but has there ever been a team in the Big Ten? I know other leagues are doing this now to save money for COVID, but has there ever been a back-to-back deal like that ever in the, that, that you can come up with in a major conference, not, not like a Summit League-type deal? Well, I mean, like with Nebraska, the last time they played a back-to-back was in the 20s. <laughs> so <laughs> as far as the uh, conference goes, they played Hawaii back-to-back when they were out there in the 70s. But, I mean, it's, it's rare. And I think Maryland was even further behind that. So, I mean, this was uh, pretty uncharted waters for, for everybody. And so, no, I mean, major conference teams don't do this. I mean, outside of conference tournaments, uh, playing two league games in two days – it just doesn't happen. And, you know, obviously there's extenuating circumstances here that everyone's going to have to try to adjust to, but uh, it seems like Nebraska has really gotten the short straw in every one of these situations. I mean, so even go back, like before their shutdown, you know, they were supposed to open uh, against Wisconsin on the road, and they ended up moving that game back a day because Wisconsin had to make up uh, its Big Ten – no, some, some non-conference game uh, with Louisville and because Louisville was shut down with COVID. And so the Nebraska accommodated with the Big Ten and pushed their game back a day, gave themselves one less day of preparation uh, for Michigan, their, their home conference opener. And that kind of just where it's kind of snowballed from there to where since the shutdown, I mean, they've just had it piled on them where every 48 hours and sometimes every 24 hours, they're playing a, a conference game and, you know, obviously seven games. 12 days over five states they traveled over 4,000 miles in the span of two weeks like that just doesn't happen and you know it's the situation nebraska's in because of their shutdown and there's also something to be said for if they really didn't want to play these games they could make a big stink about it and fred could be like you know what find me we're not playing these games they're not they're playing and they're going to try to make the most out of the situation but there is zero question that this is an absolute uh chaotic uh disaster of a schedule for nebraska and they're just trying to make it through it day by day that michigan game on december 25th feels like years ago oh, and nebraska telling, was nebraska was like tied at the half it was 36 34 michigan I know. at the break and you kind of like felt like shoot they got a chance to win this on christmas day in lincoln and then obviously we know this season and what the month of january looked like for nebraska and now, Robin, Nebraska is 1-11 in the conference, so there's eight games left. Do you, I mean, of those remaining eight, how close to the 20 do you think they'll get to? I mean, I guess it seems like they're on track to try to get as close to it as possible. I could see, you know, them getting maybe an 18 at minimum. I think that might be a little bit more realistic, just given uh, what Nebraska's already had to go through. Um, but really, so they're playing Saturday, you know, home against Penn State, or sorry, um, against Purdue, and then Penn State's coming to town on Tuesday. There's games on the schedule after that, but everything beyond Tuesday the 23rd is subject to change. So there's still games getting moved around. I know uh, Fran McCaffrey this week was talking about, you know, when they're going to make their uh, make up the, the postponed game with Nebraska, and he thought, you know, he threw out a couple windows that maybe they could try to pack some games on. In the back end of the season, there's there's a couple windows that, if you look at it, uh, would make sense. But it's still all being discussed right now. Like everything is still in flux beyond Tuesday, and that's this. I mean, that's been like that for a couple weeks now, where Nebraska is literally figuring out who it's going to play days before the game is scheduled to happen. And it's again, 
the the least ideal scenario possible, but it's just kind of the reality of what they have to do in order to play a full season. Yeah, it's like if you play Wednesday, Saturday, they're like, all right, we're going to figure out who we can make it move so you can play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Exactly. And and that that's kind of the puzzling that we've seen go on here. And then obviously the back-to-back. And if you're Maryland, you're like, absolutely, we'll play Nebraska back-to-back. We got a great chance to win two games at home. And now all of a sudden Maryland is in a very good position on the bubble at 13-10. and 10, And they've gotten their record up to 7-9 in the conference. And, you know, in the Big Ten, it's the Big Ten win regardless. So I, I think this league right now is going to get anywhere, Robin, it appears between 8 to 10 bids. Um, I mean, probably nine is the likely, or do you think they can get 10? Yeah, I think 10 is still very much in the realm of possibility. And Maryland is kind of that, that last team that's, that's got a chance. And so getting two straight conference wins in two days was a really big is deal. Is Indiana in right now, or are they out? Uh, they're, they're in, but Michigan State's out for sure. I mean, they basically they have to win the Big Ten. Yeah, tournament. there's four teams that are out, Northwestern, Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Then the other 10 are all. So Nebraska, like, dealt. Penn State like a death blow with that win that losing to Nebraska at home was huge for like really bad for Penn State's NCAA tournament hopes and so you know really I mean there's still a legitimate chance they can get 10 teams in especially if Maryland's able to keep it up you're listening here to the Husker Alliance show Robin um you know there were some flashes obviously um Friday they they go blow blow for blow with a potential one seed they should have won the game against Illinois. Yeah. I mean, I know you've been around a lot of them, Robin, of losses in the last 10 years. That had to be right up there um, with how just the disappointment you could oh, see sure. in that last possession to have a chance to draw a foul and win the game on a free throw or just do something. and Anything. To sit up there and <laughs> get a shot off. Drive or dribble the ball like you were just trying to run the clock. I mean, well, that what happened on that play as you might imagine, was not what was supposed to happen on that play. From the way I've watched that play a lot, and <laughs> I, I watched you know a couple different views, and there's one where uh, you can see Fred uh, on the sideline throughout the whole thing, and uh, you know Trey's holding the ball, Teddy Allen comes up to him, and looks like Teddy's calling for the ball. Trey doesn't give it up, and then they both kind of just stand around there and look at each other, and <laughs> Teddy puts his hands up like, what's going on? And as soon as he does that, Fred does it, at the exact same time. So clearly, I mean, at least I would uh, guess that that meant that Teddy was supposed to get the ball on that play. And for whatever reason, Trey didn't give it up. And then he decided that, you know, he was going to have to go make a play. And another part of it, I think Delano Banton was supposed to be on the other end of the floor. He was supposed to be in the corner as a kickout option for a three-pointer, and he went to the wrong corner. And so as the play's developing, he's like scrambling to get over the other side. So for the majority of those final 16 seconds, they had three guys kind of off to the side on the opposite corner with Teddy and Trey not knowing who's supposed to get the ball. And it was just an absolute disaster. And for, for that final play to cap off the effort they gave to have a chance to win that game, was such a gut punch, but you know they responded in a really good way uh, two days later at Penn State. And yeah, you think about Fred Hoiberg and what he brings to the table. Like you're like, all right, Fred Hoiberg is a mastermind basketball guy. Doc Sadler knows how to draw something up. So you're like, they got a timeout. The ball's on the sideline. They had a. Gr- I mean, you're like, this is where Fred Hoiberg can, you know, maybe outmaneuver a Brad Underwood or somebody and, and draw something up here to get a shot, just to get us a shot. And, yeah. and the fact well, that they didn't. You, there's a reason he was so mad after that play where he's ripping off his mask and throwing it to the ground, screaming. That Fred Hoiberg does not do was that. Was that the most angry you've seen? Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, he's been mad before, but like 
<laughs> it's like spiking. He his went mask like Nick down. Saban. Yeah, I mean, it was like the full blown like rage that that play went the way it went, and so I think it's kind of just sums up what Nebraska basketball has been this year and how frustrating of a year this has been for Fred Hoiberg in particular. But they win Penn State, play Maryland tough two nights in a row, but just have that privilege old run out of gas Nebraska basketball moment where they go several minutes without making a field goal and miss several layups and then Maryland gets wide open threes and starts making them and you know they they had, Maryland was not playing well no. for a lot of those games and Nebraska could have jumped on them but they just could not hit shots what's funny is that the first game you know Nebraska lost that game by 14 but you could argue they played better in that first game and things just got away from them and again you go back to the second half against Penn State Nebraska won that game but they went eight the eight and a half minutes without scoring a point and it wasn't until Teddy Allen's last second game winner that they finally broke that streak. So uh, they, you know, they were having issues staying, keeping their legs under them for a full 40 minutes, even before going to Maryland and playing two games in two days. And uh, you could just see uh, the second half of both those games, Nebraska just wore down. And really in the second game, uh, from the very jump, they were out of it. And Fred, after the game said, uh, you know, he gave his pregame pep talk, and usually guys jump up and are screaming and, you know, ready to run and take the court. He said he, he gave his last little speech, and then guys kind of sat there for an extra five, six seconds, slowly got up and, you know, started making their way to the court. And they just – they looked like a team that didn't really want to play from before the game even tipped off. And they it certainly pan, played out that way uh, as the game went on. And Maryland now with a net ranking of 35. So they're they're in pretty good shape going forward. Penn State, as you mentioned, Robin, they have a net of 38. Yeah, they were 31 when Nebraska played them. <laughs> Nebraska got a quad one win. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Right. Well, we're going to close the show when we come back. Uh, we had our final in-state tour event in Omaha over the weekend. Um, had a great turnout. Nate Klaus and I will discuss that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking recruiting, Nate. Uh, we held our final in-state tour event of the year, um, at least formal event. Well, we're going to probably have to make a couple more stops here out to Columbus and a couple other places, but We've seen close to 30 schools, their prospects. Uh, we had our Omaha event um, between Gretna coming up to our office this week than what was there on Sunday. We had 15 teams come through. And I think the consensus was, okay, I think we're going to do the in-state tour this way every year because the coaches liked it a lot better. Um, it was easier for us as well to schedule and organize and literally see as many teams as possible and, and just get eyes on kids. And I'll say this, we didn't really walk out of that Omaha event with – a ton of new surprise names because I feel like we know most of the big names in Omaha, but just to get everybody in the same room on the same day to measure and interview and catch up with, we got a lot of information out of that event on Sunday. Yeah, we, we got a ton of information out of it. So, um, you know, and I wasn't necessarily expecting to uncover a bunch of, you know, hidden, hidden targets or hidden recruits out of Omaha. Uh, just because that, I mean that that area gets more exposure than anywhere else in the state anyway. But uh, like you said, it was still really good to see a lot of those guys 
um, you know, one right after the other. Kind of, you can kind of get a get a feel how each guy kind of stacks up with everybody else from a physical point of view. But um, you know, and then being able to talk with them and everything. You know, it's nice when we were when we could go into the schools and kind of sit down with a coach and you know shoot the bowl for a while and. And, you know, always learned a couple different things, but at the same time. Time consuming. Yeah, it's very time consuming to do it that way. And and I I think this way was just so efficient. um, Yeah, that, I mean, it would make it hard to to do it any other way going forward. Well, I mean, our old way of doing it was great just to go in buildings and you you run into a lot of other coaches and a lot of other people. And you see, I mean, that's what has made this what it is over the last 18 years. But in the same sense, we could get three teams done in an hour where you know if we were lucky we could get three teams done before lunch yeah. and that was like a hard hard three four hours of work to get to that point so yeah it, it was good um i think the big thing that's going to come out and it will hit on saturday is devin jackson deshaun woods are going to both announce their top fives they are the number one and number two players in the state of nebraska jackson from burke woods from central a linebacker and a linebacker and, you know, we don't have the official release on this, Nate, but I think we both have a pretty good feel. Nebraska's not going to be in those top fives. And that's going to raise a lot of questions, upset a lot of people. Um, but these two kids are different in the sense uh, about just their look at recruiting. And I don't think either one's going to go to a Big Ten school right now the way it looks. Yeah, buckle up because uh, I think that it's it's about to get interesting with how some of the top players in the state are going to handle their recruitment and what teams are looking at and uh, the guys and, and I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of younger kids in the state right now that you know they didn't necessarily grow up rooting for Nebraska like like kids in the state did you know 20 30 years ago and so or even 10 years ago for that matter or five years ago so um, and, and there's been a lot of teams that have come into the Nebraska, especially in the Omaha metro area lately, uh, from all over the country that are pretty intriguing. And so I, I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Nebraska is not on the list and, and that they're not even really in consideration going forward. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I, I think that, that we're in for some interesting times, at least for this cycle, as far as in-state recruiting goes. Yeah. And I think Nate, when you go back and think about it, just not having a spring game last year, uh, to bring kids in, not having camps, Friday night lights, not having home games, it was bound to catch up. And they survived last year's recruiting with a top 20 class, which is amazing. It's probably one of the better recruiting jobs we've seen at Nebraska considering the context. But now it is catching up with them, I think. Not being able to showcase the fans and the atmosphere and the program and and whatnot and just having to go basically off on-field results and Zoom meetings. Well, I mean, just think about all the missed opportunities that they had to bring these guys in on campus and to be around them and, and forge those relationships and, you know, kind of get that get that one-on-one, you know, time with these guys. I mean, it just it, it was not there. And so I think, you know, when you combine that with, you know, some of the on-field results and the fact that there's a lot of other big teams that are recruiting these guys from – from different parts of the country that's kind of new and exciting. It's just is the perfect storm for there to be, you know, uh, an uphill battle to, to put it mildly with, with a lot of these guys. We're listening here to the Husker Line show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus and Nate, um, this for Nebraska, it's all about virtual visits now. And, and they keep doing a lot of these this week with guys. We've seen some new offers come out um, of the woodworks, 
We've seen some guys that have had virtuals that don't have offers. I mean, what's kind of your read of what we've seen on the recruiting trail over the last week in terms of new offers and kind of what's been happening with some of these virtual visits? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's they they obviously have you know their their board, uh, and I what I get the sense that they're kind of going through the recruiting board and and getting a feel for you know what names may have come off. Uh, what what names or what players that maybe they're they're on the outside looking in with, and uh, you know, and, or who they've been able to kind of learn, you know, get more information on that may have moved them up the board. Um, if you're, we know this. If you're doing a virtual visit with Nebraska right now, it means that they are getting ready to offer you, or that they're you know or they're trying to gather just a little bit more information or get a better feel before they do offer. So. Uh, because a lot of these offers that have gone out have been to kids that just got done with a virtual visit or or have one scheduled. So I, I think that that's, that's kind of been the major theme here over the last week or two. Nebraska will start spring practice, Nate, the final week of March. We were asked a question on our chat, how many commitments will Nebraska have when they open up spring ball on the week of Easter, which is the last weekend, week of March? And I honestly think no more than one or two. I mean, I really just don't see – a lot of movement unless there's like a in-state offer. Let's just throw out a random, like you, you call Jake Applegate or you call somebody of that caliber and say, we are only going to offer you unless you commit right now. If you're not going to commit to Nebraska, we're not going to offer you like something like that to strong arm. But I just don't see the ability to strong arm very many commits, at least at this point until we know what the visit schedule is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if they had more than two by the time spring football starts. And and that's not it's not because Nebraska doesn't know what they're doing and that, you know, recruiting is is, you know, going downhill fast. I think it's just it's just the reality. The, yeah, it's just the reality that they haven't been able to get guys on campus and that um, you know, like I said earlier, there's there's a lot of other competition coming into the state right now. And so um, and, and for the region, for that matter. So, I, I mean, I just – I would be surprised with the kids that I've talked to. You know, not many of them are itching to to go ahead and make an early decision. A lot of them are, are wanting to wait it out and, and kind of kind of see when, when the dead period is going to end and when they can go and take visits. And, um, you know, so two at the max. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any. I wouldn't be surprised if we really see – you know, anywhere from zero commits to maybe two commits all the way until June. And so um, in best case scenario, that's when, you know, the dead period ends and you can finally start getting guys on campus. And until we know what June is going to be, it's hard to predict June. Mm -hmm. um, but June could be just nuts. So lots to keep track of on recruiting, on Husker basketball. The baseball schedule came out. They're going to open up March 5th in Round Rock, Texas on that weekend against Purdue. So uh, plenty to stay on the site as we will keep you up to date on HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.